Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Came into the health department carrying her grandchild for the purpose of getting it shots. They were having some difficulty finding the records for the little child that was four months old, and so she came back to sit in my office and talk with me and held the baby while they looked for the records. And uh, we talked about the baby, and she said, we have discovered that it is blind. So we talked about the baby's blindness. And she confided in me that no doubt the blindness had been caused by the way her daughter had lived during her pregnancy of drinking, of smoking, and probably of using dope. And that child will pay the consequences of the errors of its mother for its entire life. We cannot escape the fact that our lifestyle will reflect in the lives of our children. And any of you who are young parents, any of you girls who are thinking about having a child, there are some absolute no-nos as far as your lifestyle is concerned unless you want to leave the mark upon your children. Do not drink. Do not Uh, take dope and do not smoke. But this isn't the purpose of the phrase that the Lord has given us here. And he makes it clear as to what he's talking about down in the fourth verse when he says in the very last phrase of it, the soul whose sin shall die. Now he is pointing out that it, it may be the father who has sinned, but it is not going to be the son who pays the penalty of his father's sin. I'm talking about now the consequences in relationship to God. We stand as individuals before God. It is not our father who stands before God in our stead. It is not our children who stand before God in our stead. We stand before God in our own rights and our own responsibilities. It is not adequate in my mind for a child to say, I am like I am because my parents made me this way. That's a cop-out. Because when we become adults, we have the rights and the mental capacities to understand and comprehend our own relationship to God. And if a person denies Jesus Christ on the basis of that's what my father taught, I can guarantee you the father will have some responsibilities, but we as individuals will not escape our own personal responsibility to God. And that's why I've titled the message this morning, God Deals with the Individual. I can remember when I was in school, if I didn't know the answers, that I would try to make myself as inconspicuous as possible, hoping that the teacher would overlook me and not ask me to respond. 
Those of you who are teachers don't know that kids do that, of course. I'm telling you, I could become totally inconspicuous. That's what I was glad when there was some big guy who sat in front of me that I could hide behind. So I sort of melded into the woodwork. Melded into the body of people that was there. Listen, we're 85, 90 strong maybe this morning. I don't know what the attendance is. But listen, God is not seeing us necessarily as a total body. He is more likely seeing us as single individuals. And what your relationship is to God is your personal concern. God sees you and he sees me. He doesn't see a mob, a group, a body, a congregation. He sees individuals. And it is the soul that sins that shall die. The individual. But he says now in the fifth verse, that if a man is righteous... That word if is oftentimes overlooked. And if you will, if, I'll use it, if you will look, you will discover in verses 5, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9, the word if, if a person is righteous. The New Testament says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. reason one of the reasons let me say that so many people never become Christian is that they have convinced themselves that they're just as good as all Christian people and God will accept them on their goodness But if we compare ourselves to each other, we probably are pretty good. But when we compare ourselves with the proper standard, which is the Lord Jesus himself, we suddenly discover that our righteousness is in his sight as filthy rags. And so I'm good and moral and upright and honest and decent and God ought to accept me because of this. But he says all of these goodnesses and, and uprightnesses and moralities and, and all the things that we can lay out are nothing but filthy rags compared to him. It is the soul that sins that shall die. I don't know if it's true, but I've read of Billy Sunday. Some of you don't know that name. You've got to have a few years on you to remember that name. How many of you remember the name Billy Sunday? Let me see your hand. About a third. That's what I thought. Why, you know why you don't remember him? Because he's been long dead and gone. He was a great evangelist. But I am told, some of the works that I've read, that his sons never became Christian. A man who went all over this country preaching the gospel and saw thousands of people walk the aisle. His sons were never led to the Lord. I want to come back to that in a moment. 
in verse 5 a man is righteous if in verse 7 a man does not oppress anyone but restores the debtor his pledge and on he goes and verse 8 if he does not do other things and verse 9 is where I want us to go now if he walks in my statutes and my ordinances so as to deal faithfully he is righteous and will surely live but the big if is in the picture what really is your relationship and my relationship to the Lord God? Now let's go back to Billy Sunday. Verse eight, or verse 10 says that this righteous man who claims to be righteous, and I'm not discounting Billy Sunday, don't, don't make that point, that's not what I want to say. If a person really is righteous, it's possible for him to have a son that is a holy terror. Just because a person is a Christian himself does not make his son a Christian. Now let me digress, but I think it's important that we do it. There are many people, those of us who are adults, who love the Lord with all our heart, who come to church faithfully, who support the church and do all kinds of things, find that we have children who are just the opposite. Matter of fact, the translation that I say, uh, that I am reading here says this, he may have a violent son who sheds blood, that is a murderer, or who does uh, any of the things to a brother that we would have read in those previous verses that we skipped over. It ought to be that the influence of the parent will carry over and be sunk deep into the heart and soul of the child. A couple of problems. Number one, sometimes parents don't become Christian until it's too late to exert this influence. Sometimes parents do not see the need of seeing to it that the children are always in Sunday school. Listen, parents, let me tell you something. You are making a clear message to your children if you say, well, if you don't want to go, we won't go today. I'm telling you, you're putting up a red flag in the mind of God saying, hey, I don't care too much about you, God, because I'm not caring whether my children are a part of the Sunday school and the church service. We need to instill in our kids from the time they are in diapers even before, I think even before they're born, to instill within them the desire and the love that is demonstrated to God as we show them, not send them, but show them what it's like to serve and worship God. But all parents don't come to that point of leading their children that way. And so it's possible that a child grows up without the proper Christian training. And he goes off his own way. The Bible says here then that the father will not be responsible for the sins of his child. Verse 13, his blood will be on his own head. 
Well, the reverse can be true. Verse 14. Now behold, he has a son who has observed all of his father's sins which he has committed and observing does not do likewise. Now here's the reverse. And some of you are illustrations of this. You grew up in a home where your father was not a Christian. Your mother was not a Christian. You saw the abuse that your father gave perhaps to your mother or to you. We raised a girl after she was 13, I believe, when she came to live with us whose back will carry the scars of the beatings that her father gave her to her grave. He was not a Christian man. He beat his family. You've seen that, or you have seen the problems of alcoholism and all the other things that may have gone on, and you've said in your own mind, I'll never be like him or her. That's possible. Some of you are Christian in spite of the influence of your family. You know that. Had you followed the footprints of your father or of your mother, you would have never come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have the opposites true. That some come in spite of what parents might or might not do with their children. And so the reverse is true. The child will not be responsible for the sins of its father or mother. Each man, each woman, each boy and each girl will stand on his or her own feet before God. Verse 18. It's very important that we understand this. And if any of you are not Christian this morning, be sure you understand it. He, referring to the sinner, he will die for his own iniquity. And not the iniquity of somebody else. For one's own. Verse 20. This person, the person whose sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. The righteous of the righteous will be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon him. But listen to verse 21 and here is another one of those big little words when it begins with the word but. But if the wicked man turns from his sins which he has committed and observes all my statutes and practices, justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. What is the key to that whole thing? And the key certainly has to be repentance. If the person who has sinned will repent, he will live. So the responsibility for one's eternal life comes back to the individual who is listening. He who repents will live. He who refuses to repent will die. (coughs) 
verse 28, well, let's say, let's, let's mention verse 23 first. When the Lord says, I do not have pleasure in the death of the wicked. If there's anything the Lord wants in this life, is that every person would be saved. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 3.15 says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But all will not come to repentance. And the big things that stands in the way of many adult men and adult women of ever coming to repentance is their own pride. Too proud to ever admit that there is any need of repentance. As a lady said to me one time when I talked to her about her need for Christ and her need to repent, she said, I don't know as I have done anything so bad that I need to be sorry for. And she killed me in my tracks until she could understand that there was a need to repent. There will be no salvation. I never got that point across to that lady. And I've wondered her many, many times since that day to whether she ever did repent. Verse 25. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not right. This is the response that comes many times. I want to be saved my way. I want to be saved on my own morality. I want to be saved on my good works. I want to be saved because I'm a member of the church. I want to be saved because my family is. And the Lord rejects all of those things. And says you cannot be saved. I will not accept you because you became a member of the church. I will not accept you because you were baptized. I will not accept you because you attend faithfully. I will accept you because you repented of your sins and received Jesus Christ, my own Son, as your Savior. That's what God says. There's only one way to be saved. And if it doesn't happen to be your delight, that's unfortunate because you will die in your sin. For God made only one provision for salvation. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of works. It is a gift of God. Well, unfortunately or fortunately, depending upon one's viewpoint, I suppose, verse 30 brings it to a climax when it talks about judgment. The Lord said, I will judge you each according to his conduct, repent, repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Repent. The day of judgment. And verse 31 concludes it when he talks about a new heart, a new spirit. The only way to be saved to have a change of heart. A change of heart. The only way to live for that person who has a heart problem many times is a transplant, new valves, bypasses, a change in the heart that will give him life. 
a medication that opens up those clogged arteries and allows the blood to flow, the changing of a dead heart to a live one. Sometimes our hearts physically are nearly dead, and when they finally die, our life is gone. Spiritually, we're the same way. A heart that is turning to stone, that can no longer pump life-giving blood because we will not allow the power of Jesus Christ to come into the heart and change it. Listen, what's your heart this morning? What's your relationship to God? The soul that sins, you will die. And that's the individual. That's you. That's me. But thank God I'll not die. Most of you won't die because we were given life. The breath of life that God breathed into that lifeless body when he made Adam ought to point out to us that unless he breathes into us the breath of life and gives us a new soul, a new heart, will die an eternal death from which there is no return. If you're not a Christian this morning, remember God sees you as an individual and he does not want you to die. Will you come forward and announce your faith in Christ this morning? When we sing our invitation hymn, the two young men that we baptized last Sunday are going to come up we can give them the baptismal certificate and at the close of the service you can come up and, and welcome them into the church. And by the way, while I'm thinking about it now, when we do this, would you, since there's a large crowd, go over on my left and come down this aisle so that we won't have a lot of confusion down here. But if you're not a Christian, if you need to rededicate your life, if you need to become a member of this church for the transfer of your letter or whatever other means, is necessary for you. But most especially, if you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, if you want to rededicate your life, if you want to come down here and kneel down and pray on your own without any conversation with me, you feel perfectly free to do it. As you straighten out your life with God, because the soul that sins must answer to God. And if you're not saved, your soul will die unless you have life. Put in your soul of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you do it? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.